This is Lost in the Groove. And I'm Mike. I'm Dave. We hippies have come together to spark change. So together, we give you our society and culture podcast. So with that, let's get funky and let the intro music play, baby. So, outreach, humanitarianism. We are here not only <clears throat> to be a part, to see the humanitarian work that's being done, but to say to ourselves, what can we learn and how can we educate? So, like always, it's just me and Mike. Mike, take the mic. Mike. <laughs> I'll take the mic. Thank you, Dave. You know, there's so much going on, um, and it, it is a difficult time, to say the least. And right now, um, it's I can almost say for certainty there things are likely to get worse in the coming months, and the next three to five years will be very tough on uh, Americans nationwide and people globally. Uh, as... Dave said the the purpose of this season is talking about humanitarianism um, in the many forms that it comes last episode uh, with um, Henry. What did you guys talk about last, last episode? No, no, no. Uh, last episode was with Kathy. Kathy Nesbitt. Oh, yeah. We had a uh, we had a Canadian why uh, that came onto the podcast and uh, she uh, uses compost worms and she teaches laughing yoga, which was very fascinating. I wasn't yes. able to catch most of that, and uh, but, no. uh, re regretfully. Uh, but the you know when I think of humanitarianism in in the many different forms that um, we can think of it, it is so vital now that we do educate and that. Um, we do continue to speak out. There are many things that need to be worked on that need to kind of begin. We need to move towards a, uh, in a, a, a some sort of improvement. You know, the effort needs to be made and it needed to be done yesterday. And uh, unfortunately, there isn't enough work being done, whether it's for society, for ourselves, for each other. Uh, for the planet. So these are all topics that are uh, very critical. They're being yeah. talked about a lot right now. And well, especially, especially what's going on with Ukraine. It's really heart-wrenching. It's heart-wrenching because here you have a country, and I've been to Ukraine, and uh, it is very third world, but the people are absolutely wonderful. They're very friendly. And they're very down to earth. You know, I, I remember when I was there, you had people who were driving old fashioned cars and they would go to the lake as a family. And, you know, they were, you know, fishing and some were swimming in the pond. You say to yourself here, you have hardworking people, hardworking people that are proud of their independence. And they have to fight for their home because you have a guy that. Very pissy and very powerful. He wants it. 
and he's going to make the Ukrainians pay for it. I see that as outreach. I see that as a country that's screaming out, we are not Russia. We are Ukraine. And, and obviously it had been decided so long ago. Yes. Um, that uh, And they had gained their independence uh, some time ago too. It's kind of uh, mind-blowing to say the least that here we are 2022 and we've got shit um, shit like that uh, that – would have been uh, that was talked about in history books, you know, scenarios of world war one and world war two and um, circumstances that had led uh, countries to do these types of things. I mean, almost a century ago and here we are um, kind of reliving similar moments. This is not a global war, at least not an arms battle yet, but uh, for sure uh, the, the economic impacts that are being um, that are being forced onto Russia, which in turn, you know, we also suffer. I mean, I've got a greater theory around all of this, and no one will necessarily like it uh, because, I mean, it's bound to piss off a lot of people yeah. if I shared my theory. But um, I generally think about things in the bigger picture, not just in in the in the micro, um, and yeah. I won't share those thoughts with you guys this evening. Maybe I'll share it with you, Dave, in private. Mm-hmm. All right, but, guys, we were sorry. Sometimes, but, uh, sometimes this kind of stuff happened. But listen, you know, Mike, you make you make a really incredible point. You see, the thing is, especially when we're talking about outreach, sometimes you know what? Not sometimes; it's all the times. The people are the ones that always suffer, but the oligarchs, the aficionados, the billionaires, the entrepreneurs, they don't suffer. That's not fair. No, it's not. And no, I'm saying it's not It's not accurate either. I mean, it's not fair. No, they don't, say, they don't no, suffer they, in the same way. No, they don't suffer in the same way. No. No. no but no. what I'm saying is... There is no, there is no, there is no line. There is no line dividing the two sides. There's an imaginary line that says you don't pass here because you don't belong here. You're on that side. There's always those two sides. So what inevitably happens is we as people have to choose which side we are on. Well... That's a tough, tough choice to make, but I would say, I would say, uh, uh, you know, choose courage, choose strength, you know, not fear. And, uh, you know, when, when you say this imaginary line and like, uh, you can't come here, you don't belong here. We have something very similar going on here, right, right here at home. I mean, our homelessness issues in major cities, are definitely have created such a line, you know, and uh, have you you seen in uh, South Florida, all the luxury condos they're building? Yeah. Who's going to be able to afford them? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's hell a lot cheaper than here, but still in, in, in Florida standards, it's probably still very very expensive. Who who needs it? You know what? Like, 
there's so many beautiful upscale wealthy areas in South Florida. There's Fort Lauderdale's, there's Boca Raton, there's Miami. You're building this shit in Lauderhill, in fucking Lauderhill, the 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 armpit of Fort Lauderdale, <laughs> literally the <laughs> armpit of Fort Lauderdale. It's gentrification, is, man. It's so it's so stupid because it's, because I get it from a financial st- standpoint. It it's great, but for a humanitarian as people living in a society. It's awful because so many more people cannot afford to have a home. Do you understand how crazy this is? We live in a world where a person, if they don't have the available funds, they cannot have a roof over their head. Well, I see it every day here, man. So it's, uh, it's baffling to, uh, to see where we are. And that, um, you know, the, though there are some efforts, it's they're not um, they're not effective enough. Uh, so that's let's say just the homelessness issues here. Uh, the efforts put forth that um, that we have seen just aren't doing enough. And yet I can say for a fact, I've watched this happen for a decade. Um, and 10 years ago, there was a homelessness problem wasn't as bad. It should have been handled then. And there should have been things put into place to deal with it. Um, as, uh, as let's say the issue could have, uh, continued to grow, but you would have had things in place, but, um, it's always so much more complicated. And there are things that go on behind the scenes that none of us are, uh, uh, pervy to. Um, ultimately, I mean, these are some aspects of, uh, the issues here at home. And when we look abroad, there's, yes, this war in Ukraine that's going on. And I don't, you know, I don't know exactly the, uh, the end game here. It's kind of crazy, man. This is almost 1939 all over again. Like, all right, go in there and take this shit. You mean 38? Uh, I believe the invasion of uh, what? Poland Land- was 39, Poland. but the start of, World War II took place in October of 1938. It was uh, when so two months two months before the New Year. Yeah, and, and then what? they they I think they struck in February or March of 39, and then by the end of the year in 1939 was the uh, the start of the concentration camps when they started sending people. What a hellish six years that must have been, man! But it's. It's so unfortunate to have to repeat a lot of history again and again. And, um, you know, as I said, to what end? Uh, the, the idea that we have humanitarianism as, uh, as nonprofits and, um, and as people who are speaking out and speaking for, uh, for those without a voice and demanding reform in various areas of uh, everyday life, you know, these people are doing, in a sense, God's work. But it it can still take so long. I mean, years and years of effort and trials of uh, successes and failures 
going up against Goliath in a sense, trying to bring well, about mean, these changes. I mean, my name is Dave, just David. Right. So, so I mean, you know, I'm just. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a it's a tough burden to you continue know. carrying on. I wonder sometimes what the next twenty or thirty years might look like, um, if some of these things just cannot be um, properly addressed with sufficient effort and um, you, know, you know, and positive listen, result. Listen, you know. If you look at pa- if you look at the past and you look at the future it's pretty much identical. I would say probably since the 1800s each decade has kind of repeated itself kind of in a very similar way. The early 1800s was the new founding of the United States, the change of the French and and English empire and the world was starting to change and becoming more reformed. The early 1900s was the industrial boom, and people were able to do things they never were able to, were able to do before. The early 2000s, the boom of the internet, the conglomerate, the way of, of multiple cons- consumption on online networks. And then look at where we are now. You know, the 2020s, it's kind of the opposite of what it was in the 1920s, where it was just wonderful and gay and jolly. I don't think so. You're talking about uh, 1920s. Yeah, I mean that's the Great Depression. No, no, no. The the Depression ha- hit in 29. So from the 20s until 29, it was like, all it was all happy and gay. Yeah, but I mean there was also uh, prohibition, which was a very big problem. But yes, at, it that, was. that yeah, that was a story for another time. But you do see where history, in some ways, repeats itself. So the way I look at it, right. Is the revolution, which a revolution has happened every single period throughout history. Last revolution took place in 1869, 1860. Right. That's what, a civil war? Yeah. Uh, so from all of the – so basically from all of this we can see there is a revolution coming. And you know what year that is? Yeah. 2055. Ah, but that's uh, that's going to be too late, you know. By then, China would be ruling everything. No, no, no. You see, look at the re- um, look at the revolution that happened in '69. You know when the revolution started? From the revolution, uh, f- f- you know how it started. The revolution started in 1939. So 20 years prior. Yeah. 20, 30 years prior. Think about it, because look what <clears throat> happened in the 20 year span. In the early 50s, black Americans said, no, we're not doing this anymore. I'm not driving 30 miles to go get groceries because I can't go to the one that's five miles away from me. Just a explosion. You know, and in a sense, just, a, just a, an idea, right? I mean – Generally, these massive changes happen when large groups of people really stick to the message and um, stick it to uh, the the man. Know, the, the man. I mean, the, the man. The, the the big man. Uh, in this instance, I mean, we're talking about conglomerates. We're talking about big government, uh, big tech, 
um, you know, we can someday soon be able to overcome these things, but this is uh, this is kind of the solution in the problem, right? We, we're ever so connected, but ever so distracted all at the same time. And so holding on to a message uh, and trying to get people behind it and to stick with it for lengthy periods of time. I mean, the amount of wrongdoing would need to span multiple um, uh, multiple segments of society and classes to where the you know the bottom seventy percent all really band together and say fuck you we're not doing this anymore um, we're not buying Coca Cola we're not eating at McDonald's we're not gonna use big tech we're not gonna watch Netflix we're not gonna do any of the shit that keeps us distracted anymore um, and we're gonna make sure our demands are not only heard but felt. See that was um, that was the thing about Woodstock. And I want to be a real hippie right now. I'm going to do this. Yeah, do <laughs> Woodstock marked a really important time in history. Imagine 500,000 people. That's yeah. how many people were counted. There were many, many more that were uncounted. No one was shot. No one was murdered. No one was butchered. There was one person that died and they happened to have been sick. But no one killed anyone. People took care of each other. Do you know that they ran out of food the second day? And what they did was the shops that were up at the streets, I actually ran into them and I talked to somebody. She was there as a kid with her father in the store. She said that they made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So the whole town got together and they whipped up and they made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for all the people that went to Woodstock. So they would have food for the next two days. Wow. That was the bomb. That's a lot of fucking peanut butter and jelly. <laughs> yeah. <but laughs> that was the bomb. It blew up the media. People were like, what? What do you mean 500,000 people were together for three days and they didn't die? What? It was just crazy. People were going out of their minds. We proved that we could be civil, peace, love, and music for three days. That's true. And we totally proved di- it. Yeah, totally different time, though. I mean... Very different um, time. Very different time. And, but, you know, you fast forward to today, it's... Uh, though some of those sentiments still live, um, it's... Uh, I mean, it reminds me of something recent that happened at a much smaller gathering, uh, musical event, and somebody, I think more than one person was trampled to death. You know, um, I can't remember the artist, but it made headlines for sure for a number of days. So one of you listeners probably know which one I'm talking about. But um, yeah, think about that. That's uh, that's just insane. 40 years prior, 50 years prior, half a million people, which is uh, probably, you know, 20, 30 X the amount of people at this specific event I'm uh, remembering. Dude, I I saw where they performed. Like, you know, you could see the grass and it's massive. Like, you can you can you ever, see. You ever been to Coachella? God, no. Oh, God, no. That, that, that would be me swearing to Satan. Oh, no, <laughs> man. I, I swear to Jesus, okay? Not Satan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Coachella's not that bad, man. Uh, no. Nope. Nope. Well, have it your way. But I've been. Uh, and I can say that, yeah, there is a lot of people that sh- showed up uh, to Coachella in 2006 when I went. And, God, that seems forever ago. Man, uh, this linear time gets me sometimes. It's just one direction. Only getting older. Uh but in you're a sense, not old, you're not old, man. Come on. No, I'm not old. I'm only getting older. That's, I, that's yeah, my point. Did, you know, well, back it, in my day, you <laughs> say, you know, <laughs> we used to smoke on the pipe and pass it around. Oh, God. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, now everybody's got their own joint. Everybody's got their own joint. Because <laughs> there's weed everywhere and, and the coronavirus is not gone yet. Uh, no, no. It's still not. evolving. Oh, boy. Well, this is the world that we live in, folks. <laughs> step right up, step right up. Shitty world over here. Shitty world. Only five dollars. Well, five dollars. Yeah, well, you know, but let's make it better. You of know, course. we should try to make it better. And um, you know, words words just don't do enough. And that's kind of the idea that uh like I was saying, is yeah, the bottom seventy percent of all of society not only has to come together and um, demand a change, but needs to actively and cohesively, um, you know, really impact the bottom line for those that can make that needle move in the right direction. Um, It's a difficult thing to do. Um, So this could be environmentally, this could be humanitarianism for third world countries, this could be for the shitty situation going on in Ukraine. Um, you know, it's strange to me that that in a time like now, just after COVID restrictions are lifted and, and everything else, that uh, things are... Who's, who's that meowing back there? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> That's Twix. Uh, got, uh, well, listeners, uh, well, I have a cat, and she's a part of the podcast, too. So if you hear her sometimes, and you're like, fuck that cat. Well, guess what, buddy? I'm with you. So everybody together. Fuck that <laughs> fuck cat. Fuck that cat. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, you were mentioning earlier about Africa. Um, you know, it's funny because my, my father was from Africa. My father was from Morocco. Oh, well, you know, I mentioned it because I was thinking of humanitarianism. No, no, no. I know the many nonprofits, but but, you know, so much money goes into Africa is a great one because, you know, you think about the whole situation that's going on down there and here you have good working people. They're treated like absolute garbage. And everybody knows that their governments are corrupt. Everybody knows of what yeah. this, like what kind of fucked up shit these people are doing in these high places. And it's like, cool, you know, we're just going to send them money. We're going to send these terrorists money. And just keep sending them money. And it's like, oh, my God. What the well, fuck yeah. is, what the yeah. fuck is what going on over here? You know that Africa is the next big gold mine. So if um, 
if you have been paying attention for all you listeners, the last five years, you may have heard a lot of tech giants uh, secretly talking about Africa, um, their increasing interest in, uh, in Africa. The same goes for other large uh, conglomerate chains and um, they, you know, they want a piece of that pie. And what they're, what they're foreseeing is that at some point, the, much of the populations, at least in the developed nations of Africa, are going to eventually um, be able to improve quality of life and living. And this is where, you know, hey, Verizon can step in. Like, let me build the telecommunication networks here. Um, AT&T, McDonald's will show up. And then everyone will start, it, it, getting, well, everyone will start getting fat and heart Well, disease. McDonald's already showed up. <laughs> well, yeah, but in, in just much greater numbers and uh, much greater numbers. I mean, do, do you want to something? Do you want to something really funny? I'm going completely off topic. Do you know what the most popular fast food chain in Morocco is? Domino's? It's Panda KFC. Express. No, it's, K- <laughs> it's, it's KFC. Oh, gosh. Yeah, Kentucky is, Fried Chicken is like yeah. the most popular thing out there, and it's like everyone's gonna die in Morocco. <laughs> heart disease. Oh, trust me, we've got a lot of heart disease in my family. <laughs> Don't push man. it, man. Don't push it. I know. KFC. I mean, they. So it's just it's one giant market that they're all frothing at the mouth for, and uh, and but waiting you know, patiently. It, but do you notice that it started from the top and the bottom? So but the south, but so South Africa is like part of England and whatever, and then you have the north, which consists of Morocco, Egypt, Egypt Algeria, yeah. um, Libya. Well, whatever's Tunisia. left, of, whatever's left of Libya, it whatever, used to yeah, be a beautiful country. Yeah, you know, I mean, people, uh, you know, people, at least media portrays Libya and Gaddafi to be this horrible leader, but I mean. There is no one leader of any country that has ever existed that doesn't have blood on their hands in one form or another, us included. You know, um, I think that's probably the the beauty of having uh, four year terms with our presidency oh, because they can yes. they can they can get in do some really well, horrible shit for wait, wait a minute, four wait years. A minute, wait a minute, and then wait, they leave. Wait a minute. Just I'm trying to I'm trying to remember. Okay, so we had we had Barack Obama. We had Donald Trump, right? Okay. You said four years. Well, four-year terms. If they get reelected, yeah, they, but we they don't, get we, eight years to screw us over. Yeah, but we don't have a president right now. I mean, he's asleep. He'll wake up someday. Oh, you mean that guy? <laughs> he's the president? Let's go, Brandon. <laughs> oh, really? Ah, oh, damn. Well... It's not him. Then it's probably the Democratic Party that's running the show, and yeah, we just, don't. No, he just gets don't. to show up. He's like, I think I remember him saying on one of these occasions where he had to sign a bill. He's like, "Should we read it?" He's like, "Ah, I'm not doing it. I'm just going to sign it." Like, yeah, we know you're just going to sign it, you prick. <laughs> you know. Listen, we don't want we don't want the asses donkey anymore as our. Uh... Well, point is, is and that the fat, and the fat elephant. But anyway, like we, we, we yeah. know the the corruption of lead, leaders in. Um, oh, like yeah. middle, middle Africa, oh, yeah. East East Africa. Mm-hmm. Some, they they've done some horrible shit. I mean, Somalia is still war war torn to this day, um, and, and things aren't necessarily improving in some in parts of these uh, regions. But still, 
like you were saying, it starts from the top down, right? And I thought of like, yeah, of course, that's how at least the 1% of the world that drive economic growth and, um, and uh, quality of life upwards for populations are the 1% because they're going to come and build infrastructure. They're going to build schools and hospitals and bring, uh, uh, whether it's life-saving drugs. I mean, that's where a lot of the nonprofits came into. You, Africa mean, mar- to, you, you, mean, you mean marijuana? That's well, <laughs> well, that's on the list too. I'm sure. I, um, I still question uh, uh, cannabis legalization uh, of why it's happening now. I feel like it's probably the best distraction to, to give the American people is like, hey, shut the fuck up, get stoned, don't look over here. Yeah, oh yeah. Hey, listen, I, I'm I'm all for the stone part, but uh, don't look there. And I don't know. I got I got to re I got to rethink that. <laughs> yeah, but you might. You, but but at the end of the day, you might just be too stoned and too uh, too sleepy to do. I have, you see, I have always been um, what's called a um, a uh, sober alcoholic. So does that what does that mean exactly? So unfortunately, you know, the way that I've gotten drunk and I've been around the kind of people, I've always been the one that's taken care of them when they've been so drunk they can't be on their own two feet. But I was as drunk as they are. So I always had to like push myself to not to be, like to be the sober responsible. Exactly. I pushed myself semi sober. Yeah. Well, God bless you. Yeah. You know. It's a curse. It's a curse because you're never satisfied by alcohol. But, you know, that is a really great point, though. Satisfaction. Satisfaction and, you know, having that feeling of we as people getting that satisfaction. And if we don't get that satisfaction, we want more. Well, feel empty. I mean, just use two fingers. (laughs) One, one up one way and one up the other. (laughs) <laughs> but, i mean that's that, that that's a human that's a human characteristic of, oh yeah of of, of the, having, the two of the two fingers <laughs> no the human characteristic of never being satisfied i mean um hence why hence why we have a one percent uh, of the world i mean they were fortunate enough to be in the right place at the right time whether it was handed to them or whether they built it themselves because there are groups of both not everybody inherited wealth some people built it ground up and made it all the way to the top of the 1%, um, literally breaking down fucking incredible barriers. I mean, any one of us can do that. It's just how, you know, are we lucky? Are we in the right place at the right time? And how committed are we to get there? Um, you, can make, you can bring about serious changes in the world with money. Capital is necessary, but oftentimes it's not that profitable. And more often than not, those that are giving, whether it's to nonprofits for humanitarian aid, like food and water and medicine uh, around the globe for various different calamities, uh, natural disasters, wars, famines, uh, a lot of times, sure, a part of it may be out of the kindness of their own heart, but another part is like, this is a write-off, dude. I made you know a billion dollars last year. I need to write some of it off somewhere. Yeah. Some way, but, somehow. But, you know... Looking at the medics, the the workers that are a part of the medical field, you know, I have a friend that's going into nursing school, 
and there's someone that, you know, when I got a game night, he's a medic. You know, it may seem crazy, but in a way, their humanitarian work is incredible. They save lives through wars, through times of pain, when people are sick, when people need a hand to behold. It's really, you know, people take advantage of being a doctor, you know, being a nurse. You're doing a service, not just to yourself, but to the people, your country, where you live, for what you're doing. I mean, maybe so. On some level, yes. And on some levels, you know, it's couldn't be further from the truth. The reality is that it is a business. So for those that um, enjoy healing and helping, that's, um, that's the gratification. But for the majority and the many, it's a secure, it's a secure paycheck and, um, and a lucrative one in, in a nation where everyone is sick, whether it's psychologically, emotionally, or, as, or, as or Ka- physically. As Kathy put it, sick care, not yeah. health care. Yeah, sick care. Yeah. I mean, what about, um, uh, was her name Gina? I, I couldn't, I can't remember. McGay, uh, McGay, Gina McGay. From a couple of episodes ago. You yeah, know, the Modak Nation. Mo- Modak Nation. She was saying, yeah, our healthcare needs to be really good because we don't have the resources. So it's about preventative care, not reactive care. And that said a lot about um, you know, just the 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 vast difference between how we're living in our society and how um, a tribe in their little bubble of existence are having to uh, uh, kind of conduct themselves. Because they have a different way of taking care of their society. Well, no, again, she said specifically, the lack of resources forces them to not be reactive, but to be preventative. So that that also has a lot to do with their, I'm sure, their culture because they've always lived off the land. But I mean, they never. You see that that that's, you know, uh, what's his name uh, that was on uh, Joaquin? He was talking about this, with the whole thing with the treaties. Those they, things are awful. <laughs> those things God are awful. Damn. But you know, the reality is, Native Americans see they don't need any help from. From the you know the as they said the white man the the U.S. they don't they just they, never, need each, yeah. they need each other and they know and they realize well if we team up as as tribes and work together fuck the government <laughs> we have each other you know you have your resources I got mine we can help each other out we can do our businesses together I mean that's that's literally how that's how that's what what's what's happening. But that's how global economy has existed for some time now is uh, it's mostly uh, mostly dependent on resources and this cross collaboration with countries. This is why, um, you know, the sanctions on Russia are supposed to hurt economically, why, why they're freezing assets around the globe. It's supposed to really squeeze them and push them into a corner. But, uh, you know, Putin's not stupid either. Um, he knew this. Or- he, he knew that, that they would do this. They've been doing it for 20 years. So he, he knows that they would take extreme measures. I, I wonder what's up his sleeve. If he knew that this was coming, what is he planning exactly? Um, but 
I, resources. It's all, it's, all, it's always it's, been about resources. And I think one of the main reasons is there are resources in Ukraine that Vladimir Putin doesn't want. He needs it. Like what, now. Wheat? Like wheat? Some, because you have to remember, um, Russia is very rich in oil and a lot yeah. of minerals and metals because of its landscape and where it is. Yeah. Ukraine is the last part closer to European soil. So if you have control of Ukrainian soil, whatever minerals and materials that's in there, what's going to happen to the European Union? They're going to have to work with Russia. To get it. Exactly. Yeah, but it doesn't doesn't change the fact that uh, uh, it's not – it's not like there aren't other options, just like how we've heard as of recently countries that are, oh, we're 90 percent dependent on Russian energy are making transitions over to something else because it's, uh, it's they have to. They have no other choice but to. I mean, the same would be said in, in that respect, too. Uh, at some point, countries would say, you know what, and, and I believe uh, much of the wheat that goes into Russia comes from ukraine so i don't know if it's wheat that they're after it might be it might be too i mean what i'm our point is one that my point is the way i view the whole situation is it's not a war it's a game of chess you have two players you have a clock and you have two juries on either side you play the game carefully, you map it out, do all the math. And you, you try play. to get, yeah, you try to get an advantage if you can. Exactly. This is what it is. That, I that's, mean, that's all the whole situation is. I feel like uh, the U.S. has played this game so much that, uh, you know, other countries have learned uh, the rules of the game. And so it's kind of difficult when, um, you know, do as I say, not as I do type of uh, scenario that that we see. I mean, we are so fucking guilty of it. Uh, but at the same time, no, you know, no one's going to stand up and say like, hey, America, you know, what you did to Libya is really fucked up or what you did to Iraq is wrong. And what you did in Afghanistan to secure the poppy fields for your pharma- pharmaceutical um, sector of business is uh And what is you moral. did to and what <laughs> you did to the Palestinians. I'm mean, feeding money to the terrorist organizations that slaughter and butcher them daily. I mean, it's just. That's why I say there's no leader in the world that doesn't have blood on their hands, past, present, or even future. So it's. It's. It's, uh, it, you know, it's so I, terrible. So I can't really. I can't really have faith in leadership any, from, from anyone, any, any country globally. Um, but. The at the end of the day, how we treat each other is very important. If we can take care of each other better, uh, be more considerate. We've talked about this so many times and it kind of crosses over from previous seasons and episodes. How we treat ourselves, each other, our planet, it's all so very important and you know, kind of coming together in a in a global stance against um, the 
type of tyranny that we're all experiencing. I mean, we are so lucky to be here in the States, surrounded by ocean on both sides. No one dares invade us. No, I love the ocean, though. It's really yeah. peaceful. Yeah. I, you know, thinking of what you just said reminds me of what pets means to us as humans. You know, there are many people that don't like pets. I get that. That's fine. But the people that do like pets and do have them, it's that connection. There's a connection you have where you realize there's more to the world. There's more to a tree. There's more to a dog. Right. There's more to a cat. There's more to a bird. There's so much more to everything. That's also the beauty of voice and the beauty of music. I, the both of us, I love music. I think it's one of the most incredible things that has ever existed. It gives, mean, us, gives us hope. It is pretty amazing to think about the many works of art through the language of music from just eight notes. Yeah. That is really, really incredible to me. Um, just thinking about the, the catalog of thousands and thousands of songs. Um, surprising enough, uh, this is why a lot of music sounds the same. Oftentimes there are a lot of the same producers and whatever, but, um, but yeah, just eight notes. That's, it's not a lot, but and yet and yet look at the the massive catalog of art that had been created with uh, such a small um, such a small selection of you know of uh, letters I guess we can say of the alphabet of music. Um, the same could be said about art too, you know, like on a canvas. It's the same paint. I mean, you have different types of paint, but. The colors are almost the same and what you're doing with them and creating textures. It's, it's really remarkable. It's like humanitarian work. I think the, the best trippy way of, for all us psychedelic and cannabis lovers, you can look at humanitarian work as a person that's making a painting. They're choosing the colors, the scheme, the story. Because that, that is what humanitarian work is. It's an art of a painting, a story, a memoir, a saying, a phrase, a poem. It's inspirational. It inspires. And it changes. And hopefully, over time, it has the, uh, the influence and, uh, and momentum to, you know, uh, bring about a change in people's hearts to uh, to where it resonates. Um, humanitarian work in itself is is trying to give back to society and give voice to those who are voiceless to um, uplift. And in a lot of ways, we we have come a long way. I mean, there's tremendous improvements, and we still have a long way to go. Uh, towards an ideal um, ideal type of world we'd all like to be a part of. Um, but it also makes me think it's, uh, it's almost impossible. It's just we're too imperfect as a species um, for the very same reasons we talked about earlier. That's the, 
natural greed we all possess in our hearts, um, desire and ambition and, uh, and domination. Yeah. It's, it's, those are so, so they're so powerful, (laughs) (laughs) but we, and yet we still have made some great strides that, uh, um, that, uh, leaders in developed countries can't really ignore. So they, they try, at least they try. Um, it's not always to, the maximum benefit of people, but sometimes there is a little bit of benefit. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you did, you mentioned earlier, and it's funny, it reminded me of a song. Uh, you know, it can't be perfect, you know, and that that's just a reality. Not, nothing is perfect. Uh, oh, when we were talking about music like several months yeah. ago. And, <laughs> and the first song that came into mind, of course, is a John Lennon song. Uh, <laughs> It's working class hero. If you really want a good depiction of what an actual society is for the working people. I remember when you showed me that song, I was really blown away. It's a, it's a incredible song. Incredible song. Uh, we to, urge to have... you listeners to listen to working class hero by John Lennon, not and, sponsored by Yoko Ono. Yeah. But I mean, to, and to think how long ago it was written for him to have been so um, hyper aware you know, to recognize these things uh, so early on. So was, uh, so was George, George Harrison, uh, you know, when he started this whole thing with India, everybody thought he was kind of weird. He started humanitarian work uh, within India to try to be able to help the communities bring them back together. And he kind of brought that culture to the United States. People just thought like he was just, he was trying to teach us how do you take peace and just absolute insanity and make them work? You know, what can an imperfect society that could be slightly perfect be? They just have to all take drugs. Exactly. All right. Pass the shrooms, <laughs> baby. <laughs> 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 that might solve everyone's problems. Yes. Uh, at uh, least you won't be thinking about them. Or you might. Depends on the drugs, of course. <laughs> but there's still mm. still so much work to be done. And um, I feel like we may see it in our lifetime. Drastic improvements. In, I hope uh, so. I hope I hope we're alive to see that. That would be I, nice. I, I think we might. We might at least see the... Uh, the beginning stages of it, at least Um, the, you know, there's so many people in the space who do speak out, who dedicate their lives to educate, um, to stand up for others, to help the, those in, in need that are deeply troubled that, I mean, it's, it's work that needs to be done naturally right and to to kind of bring about a type of healing for these many different groups and there's so many that's why humanitarianism um on a global scale uh can mean so much right from starving people to sick people to poor people to uh mentally ill emotionally uh ill to uh to abuse children i mean child trafficking human trafficking um all of these things are elements this, of this. This is why 
I feel like, for me personally, I'm looking forward to the year 2030. I feel like the year 2030 is going to be a really big change. What's happening in 2030? Well, I hope it's going to be happening in 2030. The very first flight of astronauts going to Mars. And, you know, that may seem kind of silly. Okay, so what does space have to do with anything? The final frontier. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're going, oh, my God. (sighs) Hold on one second. But anyway, my point that I'm trying to make is when we can when we see what we can achieve, there's a drive in people. Sure. That there, happened there, in World War Two. It happened when we landed on the moon. moon. Yeah. Yeah. Um it 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 unites for sure. But there's other dangers to that too. You should check out this uh um TV show called um, Silent Sea on Netflix. It's oh, a, I've it's heard a, of it. It's a it's a foreign film. It's uh it's Korean. There are subtitles. Uh, but yeah, 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 it, yeah. I saw that. What is that? It's really good, is what it is. I'm not going to tell you anymore. But it does give you uh, a glimpse of the other side of the story. So yes, there's tremendous. Um, I want to say. Oh no! It's all that's right. Ta- that's taboo right there, man. <laughs> there, so there's a, a tremendous opportunity to to band people together with a unique and uh, single goal of uh, multiplanetary existence for the species, and that will drive a lot of uh, a lot of innovation and and growth. And we'll band people together naturally, right? Uh, but you watch this uh, TV show, and it can show you what is also possible on the other spectrum when we also have extreme greed, ambition, desire. Because we're, you know, these are things that are going to be very difficult to get rid of in society. I and- will say, I, I will say this: one thing Koreans are really good at doing street food. Tea- street food (laughs) tv shows they they are really good that's why i've been watching so many amazing i must be in like i must be 300 you know uh shows deep after like two three years of watching korean dramas man they're they're just their acting is just incredible the storylines i love korean thrillers those korean thriller (laughs) They're done so well, and it's so accurate because you sit there and you're like, oh, my God, that could totally happen. Yeah. Like, word for word, and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, Anyway. They're they're really good writers, really good directors. Actors are really good, too. I mean, it's um, the the show that put, I want to say, Korean – Korean um, oh, squid, writing. Game. squid games. Yeah. Like the Korean writing um, and their um, and the genre as a whole uh, for foreign films and, and TV shows. Yeah. America. Uh, squid games. Yeah. America could the closest America ever got to something like squid games was American horror story. But that went to shit like after the third season. 
Well, that's that's another reason why uh, Korean the Korean creators don't really like doing second seasons of anything. Rarely do I come across a show. Like I said, I'm like 300 in. 300 different shows after a few years of just binge watching these fucking things. There's only one I remember that was three seasons. Oh my god, we're going it's on rare. A t- yeah, it's rare, but we're going on a tangent of our brain. But anyway, <laughs> K dramas, man. Um, what were you we talking about? Well, the, the, <laughs> like what happened? <laughs> oh man, the, the the point was like you were saying that that getting into space by 2030. Uh, first people on Mars, they're, they're likely to never come back. They're going to use everything that they on that rocket ship to build a, you know, the first uh, colony in a sense. Um, and, you know, it's possible by 2100, we might be terraforming Mars. If we ever figure out the well, technology to do uh, that. That might be true because according to Gene Roddenberry and Star Trek, yeah, it was 21, no, it was 21, 21.05. I, I mean, he's been pretty damn accurate about... Um, Everything, uh, yeah. About, yeah, I mean, you know, there was, what was it, Deep Space Nine. That was done between 95, I think, 95 and 2000, um, five yeah. seasons. Mm-hmm. In, in there, in, that, in, a, in a specific episode, um, the captain of the show and multiple... Um, People on his crew somehow end up going back in time, end up during a period of time around the 2050s in the U.S. You know what they were depicting? Society that has completely fractured at that time. Um, the, uh, the, the haves and the have-nots and the have-nots have, you know, literally a section of the city that they're uh, kind of uh, forced to live in. You have an access card so you can go do your work in other parts of uh, the city for the haves. But when you're done, you have to go back to your part of the city. Very much like what we have this uh, in today's um, day and age, but in the 2050s, the way that's depicted again, this was in 95 when this shit was released. So for him to foresee something like that, happening, no, but he was, he was dead by 95. Yeah, but he had a lot of, but he had been writing since the 60s. Oh, that's true. There's a lot of material. You know, it's so interesting. The way that he depicts aliens. Oh, my God. We're going on a complete tangents over here. I guess uh, you want to. Then we should. Uh, we should wrap this up. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, this can go on forever. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. We don't want to. We don't want to <laughs> keep, keep you people over here forever. So. Yeah, right. It's like, what the hell? This is supposed to be about <laughs> humanitarianism. Why are we talking about Star Trek from 20, 25, 27 years ago? We'll it's do because it was great. We should do a Star Trek season. Oh, my God. Ah, that'd be too much. It'd be too much. Yes, we have to. Oh, God. Now we have to do it. All right. If we're, all right. Look, if we do that, I have to insist that we do a series on X-Files because I love the X-Files, too. All right. We'll talk about this. We'll see you guys. I don't know. Whenever. Whenever we're not. Next week. Next week. Okay. (laughs) All right, guys. We have reached that time in our podcast. This has been great. It has been fun. And we got lost in the groove. So stay tuned. Every Tuesday, be sure to check out a new episode of Lost in the Groove. Premieres about 2 a.m. in the morning and our other channels, Shambam with Mike and Dave, 
which is our Patreon podcast and our extra special, The Shindig Variety Show, our YouTube podcast. Links will be down in the description box so you can vote for what topic we cover next season. And what other kind of content or new ideas and stuff we have to offer. Thank you guys so much for watching. Catch you guys in the next one. Peace.